You're listening to XOXO by The Knot. I'm Whitney Little, and on the show today, you'll meet Sydney and Alex, who were brought together by their love of gaming. They met during a Call of Duty tournament hosted in Los Angeles, where Sydney was living. At the time of their initial meeting, Alex was based in Seattle, working for Red Bull. And after some long-distance dating and professional growth, Alex landed a promotion that brought him to L.A., on today's episode, Sydney and Alex share how the gaming community and their shared love for video games brought them closer, so much so that it served as inspiration for their wedding day. From their careers in gaming and media, to their first date, and later, a proposal at a local barcade, to their wedding reception, filled with meaningful and fun gamer touches, Sydney and Alex's life together is always playful and exciting. This is their story. I remember our speeches, we obviously didn't ask everyone to bring up gaming, but everyone brought up video games. And I remember kind of being so happy that I was like, oh, like, it makes me happy that this thing that we love so clearly is interwoven in our relationship. Cindy and Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Of course. So tell us how the two of you met. Well, I was in college and actually so was Alex, but he was living up in Washington, just outside of Seattle. And I was living in Los Angeles and going to school. And I had recently decided I originally wanted to be a dentist. la da we don't have to get into that. And I was like, I want to get into gaming. That's a very different career from what you're doing now. So different. But so I had this sudden like, wow, big life change and really wanted to shift directions. And so I was looking at companies that I wanted to work for and Red Bull was one of them and they have an esports department. And I was trying, I was kind of badgering them to get an internship. They hadn't posted anything, but I kept taking people to lunch and eventually they were like, well, here, come to the office and you can meet everybody and we'll see if we can get budget for an intern. And then I met everyone and I remember them mentioning like, yeah, there's one guy though that you didn't meet. He works remote out of Washington state, but I'm sure you'll meet him at some point. And so maybe a couple of weeks passed and there was a tournament coming up called COD champs, which stands for call of duty. And it's the championship for the esports season. So it's competitive call of duty. And it was down the block from where I was living at the time. So I bought a ticket and asked my friend if she wanted to go, we're just going to go watch and then the person I had been in contact with at Red Bull actually was like, oh, that guy that you hadn't met, he, Alex, he's going to be down for the tournament if you guys should totally meet up. So actually, the first time we met was through an email. I used to have the email and it was like just like one of those really awkward, like, thank you so much, Lex, for the introduction. Hello, Alex. So nice to meet you. And then the tournament came and it was... I don't know. It, it's just so funny because you can tell when you have like an instant connection. I don't know that I was necessarily like, oh, I'm going to marry this man. But it was definitely something where I was like, oh, this guy's so interesting. And I was really bummed. We ended up spending the whole weekend together. So these tournaments are usually like Friday to Sunday. And we ended up meeting up on Saturday. And then we spent all Saturday together and then Sunday together. And I remember sitting in my dorm room and texting him like, Hey, thanks so much for showing me around and just being like very, very sad because I was like, Oh dang, like I'm probably not going to see this guy 
for a while unless I get this internship and even then like he'd be my boss and that's weird. So that was how we met. And Alex, what was it like for you when you first met Sydney? Yeah, for me, it was great because I was just really excited to be able to hang out with her and to get to meet her. And we had a lot of fun together. So it was kind of a bummer that I was living in Seattle at the time. But luckily, kept having reasons to come back down to L.A., whether for other tournaments or just for fun or whatever. And then eventually was able to move down. And thankfully, I guess there was no internship for Sydney available. So we're able to keep hanging out and eventually start dating. Yeah. And I feel like we were pretty lucky because like Alex was saying, he came down relatively often for work. So we got to hang out and when we'd hang out and be in these kind of like big doses where maybe we wouldn't see each other for two weeks, but then we would end up deciding to spend like five days together, which was really nice. And it actually, I think, worked out really well in terms of just our personalities because we very quickly made a decision that was like, oh, well, we like hanging out with each other. We're not going to, we didn't really want to play any games or be kind of like, oh, does he like me? I mean, maybe there was a little bit of like back and forth of like, I don't know, like, what is this? But pretty quickly we decided like, no, I like you. And like, I want to date you. And that's what we're going to do. I think especially since it went from we met and then immediately he was gone again. And that it was kind of this decision of like, okay, am I going to waste time and energy trying to like keep up with this guy? Like what's happening? And actually the first time, so we met at the end of March and the first date that he actually asked me on wasn't until May. He asked me on April 1st. I'll never forget that because I remember I was at lunch with my friend and I was like, oh, he texted me and he asked me on a date, but it's April Fool's like, is this, is he joking? Like, I'm not really sure if this is real. And he's asking about hanging out like a month from now. It was the weekend of May 1st and 2nd. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, that's so far away. And he was like, no, I'm serious. But, you know, I mean, you really have to kind of be invested in a person if you're going to make your first plans to hang out like a month in advance. Yeah, that's a big commitment. Alex, were you nervous to ask her out? Because that feels like a long time to have a first date. Yeah, absolutely. But then it ended up being kind of nice because I had to come down for work the following weekend. So we were able to actually have our first date pretty soon after that, which was sort of helped cut out a little bit of that nervousness. And so how were the two of you connecting on your on your first date? Were you, was it like an instant kind of connection? Were you guys bonding really well? Or was it like a little awkward because, you know, you haven't been in person too much together? I think it was, I don't want, well, we've talked about it. As I say, I don't want to speak for him, but we've definitely talked about it. So neither of us really were positive it was a date. I think it was because we originally had plans. So we ended up going out on a Friday, but we had originally had plans on Saturday that were kind of like group plans with some friends that Alex had in LA. And then he was like, oh, do you want to hang out? I get here on Friday. Would you like to like go out on Friday? And I was pretty sure it was a date, but since our original plans were group plans, I wasn't totally sure. And then about halfway through, because we were, we definitely got along just on the basis of like, we had a lot in common and we bounced off of each other. We're really playful. And I thought he was funny and cute. And then about halfway through, I feel like, I think I put my hand on his shoulder 
and the tension dropped and it was like, oh, okay, like we're both on the same page with this. So we went to this place called Spin at the Standard in downtown LA, which is like a ping pong bar. So we were able to sort of have some fun, get our bodies moving and uh, be goofy because no one's really that good at ping pong. And if you are, that's kind of funny anyway. So we're able to do that. And then ended up going to a place called Bar 82, which is a arcade bar in the Arts District of LA that's really cool. And we had a lot of fun there, even though Sydney was absolutely destroying me to the point that random people were like chanting and cheering for her, making fun of me. And then after that, we went to a place called Worst Coast right next door, which is like a sausage, beer, and french fry place. So sort of a laid-back, fun activity date. It sounds like a lot of games, a lot of things to keep the two of you busy on your first date. So the two of you, of course, bonded over gaming in general. How did that play into your early days of dating when you were long distance? It was really nice. We got, at the time, a game called Destiny was really big, and that was what we were playing. I was a Destiny streamer, which means that I... There's a website called Twitch where you like live stream your video game feed. And then there's kind of like a camera and you talk while you do it. And um, it's kind of like a talk show, but you're also playing games at the same time. So I did that with this specific game. And it was nice because we would just play Destiny every night. And it was like a, I don't know, I feel like it was like a cool way to video chat, but also hang out, which was nice. That was the big thing. Yeah, and Alex, what was it like for you? For me, it was nice because we could still get to interact and have jokes and talk to each other and sort of do all the things that you might do if you were like sitting on the couch next to each other in person, but we're able to do it during that two-month period that I still lived in Seattle. And can you kind of walk me through, because my husband plays video games sometimes and he'll have like a headset on and be screaming at someone and I don't fully understand the concept of it. I was like, who are you yelling at? Like, what what is happening right now? So can you kind of walk us through like the setup of the just like gaming in general and how easy it is to kind of connect with your friends or I, I'm assuming even like strangers over the Internet? Yeah, sure. So he was probably yelling at some rando kid who was mean to him. <laughs> uh, or killed him in whatever game he was playing. But you can also talk to your friends. So that's what we would do is we'd kind of just jump in a party, whether it was like the two of us or a group of our friends and all play together and just be able to talk. So you can kind of have multiple options there, whether you have friends or don't. Something also interesting because you mentioned like talking to strangers is one of our best friends, Jeff, is somebody that Alex met through playing video games and he actually ended up being in our wedding. So I think it just goes to show that, you know, you really can connect with people and create really meaningful relationships while getting to play something you enjoy. Right. It's almost like another social media platform in a sense, like how you can connect with strangers over the Internet and really bond with them. Alex, had you dated someone before that was in the gaming world or was Sydney the first person you dated who had such a shared passion with you? Sydney was definitely the first one. There aren't many women who play the games that she plays and plays them as well. She's definitely better at music in the game. So not that it was like something I necessarily looked for, but it was definitely very nice to, that we were able to sort of bond and share time in that way. 
Yeah, and Sydney had, you know, was this kind of your first relationship where you really felt like the two of you were on the same page as far as, like, your passion for the gaming community? I think in terms of, like, the same page and, like, how we viewed it, other people I had dated also played video games, and it was something that we did. But it's funny that you say that because I never really put much thought into it, and I think the way that Alex and I experienced video games and, like, the way we shared them together was a lot more, I guess, intimate and in a much more like, I don't want to say romantic way, but in a way that wasn't just like yelling at each other. (laughs) It was much more like, Oh, like, let me help you. Or like, let me teach you. I mean, we do both get really competitive, but it was always in like a playful way versus like a, ah, I can't believe you did this. Well, it sounds like a really great way to connect, especially when you're long distance. It's a little more elevated than just like a FaceTime call. It sounds like a lot of fun. Totally. And I think it was also something where when we first started dating, it took off a lot of pressure because, I mean, it feels really intense to be like, okay, like, are we going to FaceTime every day? Like, who's going to call who? And it kind of took the pressure off because it's much easier just to send a text and be like, hey, want to jump on Destiny? Let's do this. I also think for people listening who play games, might enjoy this tidbit of information. So Alex originally was playing Destiny on PlayStation and I was playing on Xbox and he switched platforms for me, which I found so romantic when we first started dating. I was like, oh my gosh, he must really like me to start his character over and play on the other platform. So when he switches over, he kind of loses all of his progress he's made before. Yeah. That's a big deal. (laughs) Right? That's like an ultimate grand gesture. It really is. And it was really early on. And I remember I actually didn't even know that he was playing on PlayStation. I found out after the fact, after we had been dating for like much longer. And he was like, you know, I used to have a PlayStation character, but I switched when we started dating. And I was like, oh, wow. What a man. Yeah, that's a big deal. So, Sydney, how early on did you realize that Alex could be someone that's a very serious part of your life. I'm going to caveat this with I am not, I did not let him know when I figured it out because I figured it out really early on. Um, But I thought it'd be very intense, you know, to be like, hey, I think I might marry you. But it was probably three dates in. I remember what I was wearing and I remember walking out of my dorm room and my, or my apartment and my uh, roommates were sitting there and I was like, I really think that this guy might be like my like who I am with for the rest of my life. And they kind of were badgering me. We were like, this is like the third day you you are crazy. Like, don't tell him that. I was like, no, of course, I'm not going to tell him that. But it was just kind of this feeling where I simultaneously felt like it was so fun to learn more about him and to kind of discover who he is. But also I felt like so at home and like I had known him my entire life and like I couldn't even remember what my life was before I met him just because we connected on such a deep level. And I felt like three dates in, I mean, granted, remember we were dating long distance. So three dates in was like maybe close to 12 or 15 dates in because we had been spending like multiple dates together every time it was down. But I just remember like, I felt like I was a better person from knowing him for that short amount of time. And I was just like, wow, I would really like that for the rest of my life. And here we are. And Alex, when did you realize that Sydney was 
the one, you know, you, you went on to propose to her. When did you kind of feel that this was a very different relationship than the ones in the past? Yeah, I can't tell you as specifically as like a third date, but I do remember very explicitly sitting there brushing my teeth one day being like, huh, I like this. This is something I could do forever. So it's just sort of like a realization one day. While brushing your teeth. <laughs> While brushing my <laughs> So, Alex, when did you decide you wanted to propose to Sydney? And what was the thought process like behind planning that out? Yeah, I mean, my plan was like after she graduated so that we could, when she was moving out, we could move in together. Wasn't really like super set on like a specific week or day or anything like that. Just wanted to make sure that it sort of like felt right. And so eventually one of the weekends came up that we had some free time. And so I decided to sort of come up with a plan to like stealthily reenact our first date in order to propose to her at the end. And Sydney, did you have any idea that a proposal was coming? I had an idea, but not when it actually happened. So Alex graduated a year before me. So he was working full time and I was in my last semester. And I remember kind of being like, oh, like he's asking me about rings. Like, I think this is going to happen soon. And I I was convinced that he was going to ask me the day of my graduation just because there was like all of my family was going to be here and it just family's really important to me and to both of us. And so I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And then when it didn't happen, I was just suspicious at like every corner. I mean, I graduated in the beginning of May and he proposed at the end of July and we went up to his dad's cabin with like his dad and his stepmom and his sister and um, over 4th of July and I remember being like, I think he's going to do it now. And then he didn't. And then I kind of let my guard down and actually I, every single time we left the house, I thought it might happen. And the day that he actually did it was the only day that I, I actually had the thought that was like, there's no way he's doing it today because we were going to hang out with a friend and it just felt very weird if he would have done it in front of like me, him and our friend. But lo and behold, that's what happened. <laughs> so Alex, walk me through start to finish how you planned out this proposal. What was the day like? Yeah, sure. So we had originally we'd gone to Spin and then Bar 82 and then Worstfish. So my thought was tell her that we're meeting our friend at Bar 82 and then go, oh, wow, we beat the traffic and we got there so early. Maybe we'll stop and get a drink beforehand and immediately suggested Spin. We got there and they were like closed. <laughs> so we ended up going to the, the rooftop of the standard where there is a ping pong table also. So it was like kind of a pivot, but not too much of a difference. And then uh, we did that and went to R82. And on our way there, we were still early. So I was like, oh, maybe we can get some worst kush. That way we don't have to eat after. Like we can kind of like beat the dinner rush. And she's like, okay. So we did that. And then we were at R82. Our friend was there and he's a photographer. And so he was taking photos. And Sydney was like confused why he was taking photos. But obviously, it's because I asked him to come take photos of the night. She didn't really get it. He he just said that he had a new camera lens that he was trying to test out. And so then he asked us if we would go to the lights at LACMA to help him do more photos that way to test it out. Since there's like a bunch of lights and it's dark. And that's when I did it. I was there. And Sydney, I'm assuming you said yes. Were you completely caught off guard? 
I was so caught off guard. Well, so I started kind of figuring it out because we were at the bar when our friend's name is Oreo. And so he's a professional photographer and he was like taking pictures. And like Alex said, he had like a very valid excuse ready. And so I was like, okay, whatever. But then at the end of the night and I'm somebody who I wake up really early and I go to bed pretty early as well. And it was like 1130. And I remember kind of being like, okay, let's wrap this up. I want to go home. And Oreo was like, what if we go and shoot outside of LACMA in the lights? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely the last thing that I want to do. Oreo, like I would like to go to bed. And then Alex was like, oh no, we should totally do it. And I remember kind of shooting this look like, why would you say that? I just said I didn't want to do this. And then we got there and he was kind of, that's the only part of the night where he was kind of acting weird. I was like, what is his deal? Why is he being so weird? And then it happened. And I did say yes. Well, actually, we were thinking back and I can't remember if I actually said yes. I definitely implied yes if it didn't come out of my mouth. And Alex, did you feel like everything went according to plan? Yeah, definitely. I had made her a book that was sort of like a photo book from our memories from the first time that we met each other all the way up until like a week before that moment and had cut out the last couple pages to hide the ring inside of there. And so for me, I feel like concealing this giant book and not having that be suspicious and also not having my weird arts and crafts supplies that clearly is not something I normally do be found felt like it was all sort of like going according to plan. And then it seemed like it went off without a hitch. She was definitely, she did say yes, but she was definitely pretty stunned and barely able to speak. So I feel like that means that it went off well. The funny thing is that that morning, actually, Alex's best friend had called saying he was going to propose to his girlfriend. And I remember Alex being like, oh, yeah, like Lucas is going to propose to Mary. And I was like, oh, my gosh, so exciting. Da, 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 da. So we we're kind of already riding this wave of like excitement for them. And then we got to call them at the end of the night. We we're both like, oh, my gosh, we're engaged. I love, Alex, how much thought you put into the personalization for the proposal. I think it's, you know, super romantic and sentimental. Was your thoughts around wedding planning also very specific as far as wanting to share your own story? Or did you kind of sit back and let Sydney take the reins on that? I definitely just sat back and let Sydney take the reins on that. She was a lot more opinionated on that stuff than I was. So in my mind, I thought I could care less. It could literally be like five people standing next to each other in like a field and that would be fine with me. So if she has a vision that she wants, then she should most definitely go for it. And Sydney, had you thought about your wedding prior to the proposal or were you one of those people who decided to kind of take it as it comes? I hadn't, which is actually really outside of my personality because I'm somebody who like I love just thinking about that kind of stuff, especially I love interior design and just like decor and all that. And I surprisingly hadn't put any thought into it. And I think it was because all the weddings that I had seen, were it was very intimidating to me because it just it felt very not us and not really our personal style. And that just stressed me out. So I preferred not to think about it. And I was like, we will get to this when it happens. And then when it happened, I remember being so overwhelmed and just looking 
everywhere for even the smallest detail in other weddings. You know, I obviously went to the knot and just like finding small details and being like, okay, I like this part. Like this is something I like and we can put all this together and we can make one big thing that we like because it just, it felt so difficult. You know, we're pretty non-traditional people and it felt so hard to find something that fit us. And to be honest, I definitely had moments where I was like, oh my gosh, our wedding's not going to be us. Like there's no way that this is, that we can make a wedding that feels like us. We're just going to have to kind of deal with the fact that this is going to be somebody else's wedding and we're just going to be getting married at it. As dramatic as that sounds, I definitely had hit that point at one, at one moment. No, I mean, it makes sense. And it's, it's sad because this is supposed to be a day about the two of you and your relationship and celebrating that and not necessarily feeling like you're having to check things off of a list that doesn't feel authentic to you. We kind of always say at The Knot, our only wedding tradition we believe in is make it your own. And we know like the majority of to-be weds, like about two and three, say that it's important that their wedding is a reflection of who they are. I think the other third is just too tired. (laughs) Just like, let's take what I can get. So how did the two of you ensure that your wedding day was not feeling like it was someone else's celebration and like it was actually authentic to the two of you as a couple? So it's funny you say that because definitely in the beginning, we were married, we were married, we were, we were engaged for about two years before our wedding. And in the beginning stages, I remember being super, super excited and it almost translated to me feeling like I had to make a bunch of decisions up front. And I had mentally planned, I mean, we hadn't booked anything, but I had mentally kind of picked out a bunch of things. And when I was looking at it, I just got super, super bummed. This is probably like six months into planning. And I was so bummed because I was like, this does not seem like us at all. I mean, it was super chic and I was obsessed with the idea of like, let's have it in a warehouse and then we're going to have a bunch of flowers and it's going to be this like hard and soft thing. And, you know, I've seen several weddings like that and it's just so beautiful, but it just didn't feel like us at all. And the color palette was super neutral. I mean, to put in perspective, we have a pink, like a bright pink fireplace in our apartment. So we're not, we're definitely not people who necessarily gravitate to neutral, at least not in that moment. And it just, it made me so sad. And then I can't remember what it was that kind of like sparked this light, but it was almost like an aha moment where I realized, oh, wait, we totally don't have to do that. We can totally, we haven't booked anything. We can just make a wedding that makes sense for us. And so then I kind of started back in square one and thinking about like, who are we? Like, we're really fun. We're loud and energetic. And like, I want this to I want the decorations and I want like kind of the setting to translate that and to be a celebration and to be very like loud and happy. And I saw that being reflected and using bright colors. I mean, our color palette was like red, pink, orange, yellow, like electric blue. It was very, it's very, very colorful. And I love how it came together, but it's so funny to compare that color palette to this like extremely muted, like taupe and ivory and khakis and just like see it be so different. And I'm so happy that we went down the road that was kind of more of a reflection of our personalities. Yeah. And of course, the two of you met 
gaming and that's how your relationship kind of blossomed and, you know, is a, a huge part of your day-to-day life. So how did you want to incorporate that into your wedding? So it's funny because it wasn't on the forefront of our wedding planning. And then I wanted to surprise Alex actually with, we worked with a really awesome wedding planning company called LB Planners. And they had on their website, these gorgeous escort walls for the escort cards. And I wanted to work with our planner, Kirsten, to surprise Alex with this like video game wall. I wanted it to be Street Fighter. And I was like so excited about this. And I didn't want to tell him. And I just wanted to see it day of. And then she, after a few months, I remember her reaching out to me because I was really specific that I wanted it to be kind of like a wink. I didn't want it to be super in your face. And she was like, Sydney, I am so stumped on what to do with this specific game. And at the time, Alex was writing a book for an Atari game called Missile Command. And we decided to use kind of the Atari thing and did little space invaders. And so our our escort wall was space invaders themed and it actually turned into our photo booth background. And that was kind of the big thing and honestly the only thing that we had planned on using video game wise. But then we ran into a, I don't want to say like a problem because it totally ended up working out. But, you know, in the moment it felt like, oh no, what are we going to do? Because our venue, we were having our reception out on the patio and we hadn't thought about, or at least I hadn't thought about the fact that guests would have to walk through the ballroom in order to get to the bathroom. And it was just this kind of like bleak and dreary walk when you leave this like really amazing patio and then you're just in this empty ballroom that has like all the lights on. And so we decided we wanted to use it. And the way that we were going to use it was by creating a little mini arcade, which was perfect since, I mean, that was a part of Alice's proposal to me. That was a part of our first date. And obviously gaming is something that's just, we're both so passionate about. So we took to choosing a few games and I'll let Alex talk about which games because he put a lot of thought into that, but it turned out really lovely. And it gave, and it gave guests a really good alternative to not dancing. Yeah, that's a great place to kind of have the guests go because, you know, not everyone's a big dancer or at least until they have some cocktails in them. So it's a great place to kind of go hang out. And it's such a unique touch, especially for your love story. So, Alex, how did you pick out the games? Yeah, in my mind, I was trying to find things that would be fun for a big, nice assort, assortment of people. So I started off with NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. Those are like arcade classics that can't be beat. Everyone would have fun with those. I got a Area 51 arcade machine, which is a goofy like light gun shoot the aliens on the screen game that me and my dad used to play at the round table pizza nearest growing up. And then Missile Command, which was the arcade game from Atari that I was writing a book on at the time. So we wanted to have a good assortment of like new games, fun games, and sort of classic arcade games to make sure that there was something for everyone. Yeah. And then, so you had the escort cards, the arcade. Was there anywhere else where you weaved in gaming into your reception or ceremony? It was those two big things, but it was kind of cute because we, obviously a lot of our friends play games as well. And I mean, my roots come from playing games with like my dad and my brother and it's something we still do to keep in touch to this day. And I remember our speeches 
we obviously didn't ask everyone to bring up gaming, but everyone brought up video games that I remember kind of being so happy that I was like, oh, like, it makes me happy that this thing that we love so clearly is interwoven in our relationship. I also want to touch on your vows a little bit because I know you two shared private vows, which is kind of a trend that we're seeing from a lot of couples these days. What made you two decide to go that route instead of reading them out loud during your ceremony? Yeah, I mean, we'd been to a lot of weddings over the summer, probably like between five and 10, and seen how other people had done their stuff. So we were kind of taking a look at that to help give us inspiration for how we wanted to do things in our wedding. And we'd seen a few things in that a lot of times that made ceremonies really long, which depending on when you were doing it, similar to how we were doing it in June, it can just be hot and that's not always super fun. So it can kind of take down the vibe of the wedding. And then also people try really hard to be funny uh, for like the other people who are there, not necessarily their spouse. So that isn't really our style. So we wanted to do something that was super personal and that we can sort of do just for each other. And then in doing that beforehand, it also sort of takes a lot of the pressure off of the actual ceremony itself because we've already said all the nice, sappy things so we can kind of just have fun from that point on. Yeah, my husband and I wrote our own vows and he had to constantly remind me that it wasn't a stand-up routine because I just (laughs) was trying so hard to make people laugh and he's like, please stop, these are wedding vows. But he was very emotional when we read our vows at our ceremony. I think it's especially, it's such a vulnerable thing to, you know, kind of write your own vows and publicly express your love for someone else. And it is very intimate. And I I feel bad because he was very choked up and very nervous and trembling. And I think it might have been probably a, a little kinder for me to have suggested we do them in private. And it is, it's just, like I said, it's very intimate. And it's such a personal thing that I love the idea of doing them alone somewhere just for the two of you to have. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And like Alex was saying, I think that it took a lot of the pressure off. And I know for one, if I would have written my vows, knowing that it was going to be said in front of a ton of people, I totally would have tried to make it funny. Like, I feel like it's also just like a guttural reaction to like, help yourself feel better and more comfortable that like you're being so vulnerable in front of everyone. I mean, even though they're like the people you're closest to. So it was nice that I felt like I could be more honest and just be more like raw. And I'm also really happy because I was bawling like a baby and then we could fix my makeup before the actual ceremony. Yes, that is a great point. (laughs) And Sydney, you know, speaking of makeup and kind of your general wedding day look, I know fashion is another big passion of yours. So tell me about your shopping experience and what you ultimately chose to wear at your wedding. Yeah, so it was so funny because I had gotten all of the kind of peripheral dresses before we had finally settled on a wedding gown. And I remember that experience was so fun because I wanted to make sure that I wore every designer that I was like really passionate about. And I had picked out my shoes. I actually picked out my shoes like first. They were a pair of Miu Miu shoes and they were perfect because the ceremony was the ceremony and cocktail reception were on grass and the 
heels that I got were spike heels, but they had a little square platform on the bottom, not platform, but on the bottom of the spike heel, there was a little square and I fell in love with them. And so I don't know, maybe don't buy your shoes before you buy your dress, but I 100% did that because buying the dress was so stressful and it was such a horrible experience, not to anybody's fault. I think that it came down to a few things was I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew what I didn't want, which, you know, is at least the start. But I also felt really guilty throughout the process because I felt like I didn't, wasn't doing it quote unquote correctly based on what you see in movies and whatever, just the type of person I am. Like I didn't invite all of my friends. I just wanted it to be me and my mom. And I felt like I was kind of doing it wrong in that way, which looking back on it, and halfway through, I'm so glad that I made that decision because that's what I wanted. And why would I invite a bunch of people? I thought that would just stress me out. But we ended up going to like three salons or bridal salons and I could not find anything. I must have tried on just like, oh, it felt like hundreds of dresses. I don't think it was that high. And it would just, I would find one. We actually came really, really close to getting a particular dress and it was huge and had all this very detailed like 3D applique on the whole thing. And it had a very high neckline. And I just remember being like, well, this is the closest that we're going to come. So like we should just get this one because we were on the third dress shop. And I was like, I don't think we're going to find one that I actually like love. So let's just do this one and call it a day. And my mom actually made the call and was like, you know, this dress isn't going away. You can order that. Let's go one more place and then you can figure it out. And if you really don't find any other dresses, you can go with this one. And as a kid, I was obsessed with Vera Wang and I was very much like, that's what I want to wear to my wedding. And then I got older and was like, wow, Vera Wang's really expensive. And I had kind of kept my eye on what she had, but her classic dresses just weren't really the style that I was going for. But I saw that she was having a trunk show. And so I looked over those dresses online and there was one that was a razor front dress that was all lace and it was kind of form fitting, but not too, too tight, but it was pretty form fitting. I was like, this is beautiful. I love it. There was a slit in it, which was perfect. I love slits. And we made an appointment to go to the trunk show, which was in March. And we probably made the appointment in like November. So I had a pretty long period of waiting and when the trunk show came, I was so excited. And my mom and I go, and I was like, this is the dress I want to try on. And the lady looked at me and she was like, we discontinued this. We decided not to move forward with like putting this dress in production. And I just remember be, like having this moment where I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to be naked at, on my wedding day. I am never going to find a dress. It's horrible. And she actually was like, but here's this dress that I think you might like based on, you know, what you're telling me about your personal style. And it was this gorgeous tool. And there was a lot of, I'm not sure what the word would be, but it was kind of like, um, illusion type stuff with like looking like you're nude underneath, but you had a slip and there was a slit. And then my favorite detail was that there were these tool kind of elbow length gloves but they weren't really gloves, but they were. And I really wanted to wear el elbow length gloves, but we weren't having a black tie wedding and I couldn't figure out how to do it in a way that didn't feel very like out there and just in a way that didn't make sense. And so it was just, it was 
perfect. I knew like the moment I saw it and I put it on my body and I was like, this is, this is it. This is perfect. I mean, I didn't start crying or anything, but I definitely looked at my mom and I was like, this is the one. And we tried on a few other dresses. I'm not really sure why I think cause I was like, well, I'm never going to go wedding dress shopping again. So I might as well try on some more, but yeah, I knew from the moment that I put this dress on that that was the dress I wanted. And it's such a beautiful dress. We have the pictures in an upcoming issue of The Knot magazine, and it is really different from anything I've ever seen, and I love it. You definitely made a great choice, and it all worked out. As far as other vendors for the wedding, Alex, what was most important to you? I think for me, I just wanted a good photographer and good food. I wasn't super in on the planning of like flowers or decorations or anything else like that. That was all sort of like Sydney's vision and Sydney's doing. So obviously it makes sense to go with whatever she thinks is best. But those are the two kind of things that I really wanted us to focus on. And how did the two of you approach finding the photographer for your wedding? That was another one that just felt like such a desolate, hopeless situation because I just could not find anyone who was in a style that resonated with me. I mean, there's so many beautiful wedding photographers, but it just, again, it didn't feel like us. And finally I was down this, just like, I don't even know what I Google searched, but you know, when you just keep searching and clicking and then you just keep clicking and clicking. And I was on this website that honestly looked like it hadn't been updated since the nineties. It looked so out of date. It was kind of sketchy. And I was like, I don't know, but I love this woman's pictures so much. This wasn't her personal website, by the way, it was some random website it was on. So I click into her website and it was called the gold collective. And I just remember the vibe of it was 100% my vibe. And, you know, I can get very like spiritual and a little like hippy dippy. And she was so like, Oh, like it's all about the spirit of the wedding and like the movement and like it just resonated with me so much. And she actually only had like three or four pictures on her website. And her reasoning was that she felt like weddings are just so intimate and such a special moment in your life that she doesn't like to just put all of them on her website until she's kind of talked to you and can show you examples after the fact. And she had this fun little quiz that you take to see if she thinks that like you'd be a good personality match because she definitely works in kind of a, a traditional way. But she, Ivy is incredible. I actually still collaborate with her to this day. We have photo shoots like every couple months, but she just did such an incredible job capturing the energy and just the spirit of our wedding. And like, I love our pictures so much. I wish that I could get them all printed super large and just make our home a gallery for all the photos. But that feels very misguided. (laughs) I feel like that'd be very weird if you walked into our home and there were just a ton of pictures of us on our wedding. But she's incredible. I don't think that's the worst idea. Just make a shrine. Our home is a shrine to our wedding now. Exactly. So another wedding element we love to discuss with our couples are their registries. How did the two of you use your registry to kick off your newlywed life? We had been living together while we were engaged. And at that point, we kind of just brought, like, put all of our stuff together. We didn't really buy very much new stuff. So it was kind of cool because we registered for a lot of things that were our first kind of like our, like our dish set and our pots and pans and 
we made it all cohesive, which was fun. And Alex, was there anything in particular you were hoping to have? Not necessarily. I'm a pretty simple guy, but I would say that one thing that I definitely appreciated that we got was a comforter because I've never been a comforter guy. I would get really warm at night. So I'm like, why would you want to be more warm? They just overheat. But now I've understood and seen the light of comfy comforter snuggles. So <laughs> Comforters are great. Happy that we got that. Yeah, and you use that every yeah. day. That's a great gift. Yeah, exactly. So now having been more than a year into marriage, what would you two say is crucial for building a lasting love and relationship? I feel like, I mean, it's so cliched to say, but it's because it's so important, but just communication. I think Alex and I are both super thoughtful and considerate people, and sometimes that had stood in the way of us voicing exactly how we feel. But, you know, that stuff always bubbles up anyways. And so I think kindly and lovingly approaching your partner in like honest conversations and something that Alex is so good at reminding me about because I can get very into, you know, who wins the argument is you're on the same team. And at the end of the day, like you're on the same team and you want to find a solution that benefits all the team members. And I think that's probably the best piece of advice that we've been given and the thing that has helped us the most. And Alex, what about you? Definitely agree with everything uh, that Sydney said. I'd also say remembering that even though you are a team now, you still were an individual person with your own tendencies and quirks and habits for way more time than you've been together. So it's important to remember both what yours are and what your partners are, and then try to find a way to merge them together and to like Cindy said, communicate really well about those because it can be very difficult going from like, oh, I just worry about me and like worry about myself to having to remember the impact that you have on sort of your whole family. That's great advice. Well, Cindy and Alex, thank you so much for joining us. It's been incredible learning about your love story and your wedding. And it's been a great time catching up with the two of you. Thank you so much for having us. It was so fun to kind of like relive it. Of course. Yeah, Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. 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 XOXO is a podcast produced by The Knot, the nation's leading wedding planning app offering a seamless, all-in-one planning experience from finding inspiration in local vendors to creating your registry and managing all of your guest experiences like digital RSVPs and photo sharing. The Knot was founded on the mission of helping every couple plan their wedding, regardless of their style, budget, location, culture, or who they choose to marry. For more than 20 years, The Knot has helped empower 25 million couples and counting to plan their perfect celebration. If you're planning a wedding, be sure to download The Knot Wedding Planner app. It's available for all mobile devices. Now, a word from our listeners. Maria from Houston just celebrated her first wedding anniversary. She writes us an email with this piece of advice saying, don't try to turn your wedding day into a Pinterest board brought to life. Not everything will be picture perfect and that's part of the journey. Just go with it. While you still have time, figure out what details are actually important to you and yours and how you want to use those details to reflect your own love story. Those are the meaningful touches you and your guests will remember. Kim is getting married in October. She shares with us, you're in this together. 
So make sure you're both working to make each other's lives better. Don't make your husband or wife stay more difficult. You should be the best part of their day. Thanks for tuning in to XOXO by The Knot. If you have a comment about our show, tips for making your own traditions, or marriage advice you want to share on air, email us at xoxo at thenot.com. And connect with us on social. Search our handle at The Knot and on the web at thenot.com. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks to our producer, Lauren Nolan, with assistance from Emily Berman. This podcast was recorded in New York City at the Hangar Studios. See you next week.